Morning, guys. Don't you love the rain? Isn't that rain lovely? Yeah. I'm trying to wait for these moms and dads to come back because I don't want to start. My punchline is right in the beginning of my sermon. <laughs> it's just downhill from there. Um, let me start by saying the kind of ARP things and I can repeat them and everybody's like still worrying. Do you know that there are over 3,000 promises in the Bible that God made to us directly? Over 3,000 of them. Promises that God made to us. And knowing, I think in part, but progressively growing and growing more and more what God is really like. It gives us access into more and more of those promises. Does that make sense, what I just said? It, um, I'll give you one. Kath just prayed it. God is faithful. He said this. He promises, I've begun a good work in you, and I will bring it to completion. That's a promise. Isn't that an amazing promise? It's an amazing promise, particularly when we find ourselves in times where we don't see the promise, we don't feel the promise, and we actually are living everything contrary to this promise that God has made. Does that negate the promise of God? Does that change anything from God's side? And we all know it doesn't. So I'd love for us to take like three minutes. Three minutes is a long time like this, but take three minutes and just sit here in silence. Everybody, even the kids, everybody that are here, And just think of a promise that God gave you. Just think about that. Okay? And we'll chat again in three minutes. If it's more than one, obviously think about those promises. Awesome. It's cut it short. That was about a minute. (laughs) Three minutes is super long. (laughs) All right. Does anybody want to tell us a promise that God gave them? Just share it, shout it out, what God said. Sans, go.
The promise, wonderful. Any more promises? Any more? So Sandy kind of, <laughs> yeah, Sandy kind of ruined it for everybody else, which is amazing, and in an amazing way, because that is a huge promise that God had fulfilled. No, you didn't. No, I don't mean it. It's awesome. It is absolutely amazing. Let me rephrase the, the question. Anybody want to share a promise God gave you that has not been fulfilled yet? Sharon, go. Oh, no. You want to share it. Anybody want to share a promise that God gave you that hasn't been fulfilled yet? Anybody want to share that? This is so good. Yeah, Sharon, go. South America. Yeah, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Anybody else want to be gutsy? Come on. I know there are hundreds of them. I know it. Over your lives. Don't be scared. Even if they are wild. Jules. Wonderful. <laughs> I'm agreeing with God in that, in that promise that He gave you. Anybody else? Jules said God promised her an education. Sandy said God promised a girl, and it was 11 years, and then a boy, and then twins, and one of the twins is Aaron, and a girl. Grandma? When I was told that I only had six months to live, the verse the Lord gave me was... Amazing. How many years ago was that? 27 years ago, you had six months to live, God gave you a promise, and here you are. That's pretty huge. Okay, that's pretty huge. Any other promises? Johnny? Did God promise you this, or is this the desire of your heart? No, I feel it's a promise Yeah. Awesome. So it hasn't happened yet, which is amazing. What's the difference? Yes. Uh, they're very similar. I mean, they're very similar. If it's a promise, yeah, they're quite similar. So if you've had a prophecy, you can share that too. So it's like a promise. agrees with that promise y'all you better practice soccer because that's going to be the door to open into the world for you guys I'm just joking one of them Patricia oh my goodness see See why it's worth the awkward silence. These are massive realities of our faith. Are you kidding me? Doctor says never have children. 
God promised Eric and Eros. Can you imagine this church without the two of them and their wives? The kingdom of God. Let's hear more promises of, uh, that have not been fulfilled. Any promises that God gave people have not been fulfilled yet? Alice? It's going to happen. Yes. Promised Alice a wife. Yes. yes. <laughs> Alice, we agree with you, bro. We are with you. We're walking with you. And hopefully it's not too long. <laughs> you, better, <laughs> you better yield and submit to the Lord quickly. Any more? I can move on. It's just so amazing. Faith building. Any more promises? Linda, come on. Yes. I love that. Every day. Oh, I love that. Absolutely, every day. Every day. There are actually scriptures that says the Lord promised that, that every day the Lord moves on his promises in Psalm somewhere. I'm totally butchering it. But this, this daily reality of the mundane and, and, and walking in the promise. It's just wonderful. So let's read together. Second Peter chapter 1. If you don't know yet, I'm going to just speak a little bit about the promises and the way that we agree with what God had promised over us by lining our mouths up with that reality. You know? And I stand here purely by the mercy of God, just to tell you this. Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. I'd want to make a statement right now and say to you that if you're walking in a relationship with Jesus, there are promises that he will make to you. Some of them will be verbally communicated to you through words of prophecy, but most of them, by far, you will find in Scripture. As you see those in Scripture and you take them, as an expression of your faith, you enter a divine reality. And the more you do that, I would want to say it's, it's measurable, the deeper or the greater or the more you walk in a divine nature. And God has called us, literally, to live here. That's why he says, be holy as I'm holy, as if we are from another place. And so in Scripture, we literally just have this glorious, wonderful opening picture all the time of what that place is like. And so God loved us so much that He sent His only Son into this fallen world, which He created, and by giving us our free will, we messed up, to show us again and to remind us again of this divine world. This place where there will not be brokenness, shame, Heartbreak, betrayal, suffering, sorrow, none of that. 
It's a divine place. The divine nature every human being on this earth has. And so, for by these he has granted us the precious and magnificent promises so that by them, by these gracious, wonderful, precious and magnificent promises, we may become partakers of a divine nature. Isn't that amazing? Most of the things that God has promised me were completely impossible for me to do. Completely impossible. When, God, when we were in South Africa and God called us to the islands, I was petrified, but I knew it was the Lord. It was impossible, but I knew it was the Lord. I knew the Lord had called us. It was a part of His promise to us which said, I give you the nations as your inheritance. And so based on the promise, before we saw the promise fulfilled, like many of you, like most of us, we stepped out into the promise. And I know today there are still promises that have not been fulfilled, like Alice. God promised him a wife, but he's faithfully suffering, right? (laughs) Every now and again, I do get a call from Alice because his desire and his hunger for God is overpowering the carnal lusts of the flesh because he wants to enter into a divine reality, if that makes sense. And we are all constantly faced with that reality. The amazing thing is if we have a glimpse of this God and how good He is and how amazing He is, that ruins us for this world forever and ever. And all we want to do is bring more people along into this divine space. Can you imagine living there all the time? I'm not talking about so heavenly minded that you know earthly good. No, that's almost impossible if you live by the divine nature. The divine nature is where Jesus is Lord, not just your homeboy. Is where his love has completely saturated our souls and our lives so that we can forgive a thousand times. It's a place where the lust of the flesh has lost its grip and its power on us because we've tasted something sweeter. And all of that based on these great and magnificent promises. Isn't that amazing? It's very sweet when the word of God is fulfilled in front of your eyes. And you bear children because God promised you. Hebrews chapter 11 is a chapter, and half of that chapter speaks of men and women of faith. It is probably my favorite chapter in this entire scripture. Who walked according to the promises of God, but never saw them fulfilled in their lifetime. But died in faith. Because, like Abraham, they had a glimpse of a city whose builder and architect was God. And so all I want to do this morning is remind you of this divine place where Jesus is Lord and where the resurrected Christ, whom we follow, is sitting on the throne waiting for our enemies to become his footstool. Can you imagine if we live by this divine nature? It's an amazing place. That's the way we can change the world. Where am I? So we become partakers of this divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world by lust. The promises of God gives us a glimpse into the divine nature, which is the only way we escape the lusts of the flesh and of this world. The only way. And please, we all make mistakes. I know that. I'm not talking about perfection here at all. It's not even an issue here. 
But if you're still trying to overcome the desires of your flesh by your flesh, you'll never do it. You'll be disillusioned. Turn your eyes away from your flesh onto what God had promised me. It lifts you and elevates you to a plane, a realm, a realm where it seems impossible for us here, but where God has called us to live. God, how can that be? How am I going to see the nations of the world? I don't even have a car that works. Does your car work, John? <laughs> I can't even drive to America, which is the closest nation. But because of your promise, I have a glimpse into the divine nature and it sucks me into a vortex where faith is the only way for me to be able to stand. And then suddenly, the lust of the flesh fall behind me. Because I'm no longer driven or led by those things. Lead by the divine. Why? Because of his promises. Think about what he's promised you. If God has promised you nothing, please, take a Bible in the back of the pew. Do we have Bibles in the back of the pew? Okay. Sorry, (laughs) Brenda's like, no. Get a Bible from anywhere. Download the app. It's free and start reading. And I guarantee you within 10 minutes you'll have a promise that God gives you in Scripture. Verse 5 says, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in our faith, (coughs) supply moral excellence in your moral excellence, to your moral excellence knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in your self-control perseverance, And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, based on the promises of God, the Word of God, fulfilled or not fulfilled in our lives, we enter a divine nature that allows us to live in a moral space that's not defined by earthly morality, but by the Spirit of the living Christ. I hope that makes sense. And therefore, makes us fruitful. And then we can hear what Paul says all the time, Don't stop doing it in your own strength yet we still go back and we go back and we go back. And then we hear, don't be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by thinking differently, the renewing of your mind. That only done in Scripture, by the Spirit of God alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Remind each other of the promises that God had made you. So if these qualities are yours in increasing measure, they render you neither useless or unfruitful in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. And that is a massive trap. When we forget that God has completely forgiven us in Christ Jesus. It's a glorious reality. I mean, obviously this chapter is massive. And I'm flying through it. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. As long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Based on what God promised you. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus 
Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, please. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What did they inherit? How? Through faith and patience. Or through trying harder? No. No. Through faith and patience. We inherit the promises. So all these promises will require these two fundamental realities in our lives. Faith. Faith. And faith has to have an object. It's not just faith. You can't say, wow, I have a great faith. That's, that's, that's impossible. You have to, what is your faith in? It's either in yourself or a false god, an idol of some sort, or it's really in, in Christ. And so our faith in Christ, Him being the object, empowers us to have patience. Patience being one of the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit of Christ in our lives. We will then walk into the promise. And I must also say, because of Hebrews 11, some of us will walk into the promise, but will not see, might not see the promises fulfilled in our lives. And this is the flip side of this reality that, that most, most guys, not most guys, but some guys just don't like, because we want to think that Jesus is this sugar daddy that makes everything cool and dandy. That's not a reality. The question at the end of the day, as far as the promise is concerned, is where is your faith? That faith is an unshakable faith unshakable reality because of the object of the faith. The object of the faith is our unshakable saviour seated on the throne. Oh, that's amazing. So 3,000 promises and God's word has tremendous power in it. In it. Let me ask you something. How many of you quote the word of God into situations that you face? Yeah. How many of you feel sometimes when you speak those words, they like, they like you, you like, it's like a battering ram, it's like a 10-pound a sledgehammer, you smashing stuff and you can't see it. Let me encourage you today, in every situation you find yourself in, that's contrary to what you feel, because our feelings are so dominant, right? So, so, ooh, how we feel. The Word of God brings that ultimate reality and truth and brings everything back into perspective. To speaking the Word of God is difficult. Who agrees? I, for me it is sometimes because I'm so in the moment at times but it has the power to bring us into the promise Okay, words of power God has given us his word and he wants us to listen to his words meditate on his words and speak his words because they have power one of the greatest things that you could do as a, as a, as a, as a follower of Jesus is to meditate on the word and to memorize this word. So you can speak this word from a place of real conviction. Because we know a lot. Especially, of, especially those of us who grew up in the, in the church community. The power of the word is not just in the pages. Or in the, the, uh, the iteration of them. It is in the living. It's in the assimilation that these things become real. True? It's so practical. It's powerful. It's practical. And so we live by that. Angels respond to the word of God. Did you know that? Do you know that when you speak the word of God, God deploys ministering angels? Like Daniel. 
was praying, and 21 days later, Michael showed up as a result of what Daniel released in the spiritual atmosphere, fighting his way through through Prince of Persia, and things changed dramatically for Daniel in that moment, and as a result, an entire nation was set free. Why? Because Daniel lined up God's word with his mouth, and fulfilled and came and walked into the promises, and as a reality of that, found himself in the lion's den, in the furnace, but God brought power and release and freedom. Let me encourage you, whether you see the promise or not, remain in faith. Remain in faith. And encourage each other. The angels don't listen to our complaining, but they move when they hear the promises of God spoken by us. Isn't that amazing? And that's why the word of God is called the sword of the spirit. So living in this divine nature, this is the reality. The sword is an offensive weapon. And that is where our power and our authority lies over the enemy. And Kath prayed it this morning, just before we started. The sword, the word that pierces and penetrates between marrow, between the soulish realm and the spiritual realm, spiritual realm being that, that eternal reality. So if we then understand the power behind the words of God, it changes our lives completely. Absolutely completely. And I would say that, that some people who live in a pattern of de- defeat or a pattern that repeats itself, a pattern is obviously that which repeats itself, of failure, perpetual failure in your life, I would want to charge you to line your mouth up with what God's word says. And when it conflicts to your reality or your emotional state, to continue to speak God's word into the situation. Because it has power to change the offensive weapon. You're wielding the sword of the spirit and you're living by the divine reality and the lust and the grip and the hold that our flesh and our carnality has on us weans off us because we're exercising the sword of the spirit. Amen? All right. Completely we become expectant and we actually expect the promises of God and those that God has given to us to be fulfilled through his word. And uh, for me... The package, the package deal is faith in the promises based on the character and the goodness of God. And then what it does in us, it stirs in us expectation. 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 Now I know we live in a world that has an opening act that, that, that psychs people up to a crescendo in a moment in time and it's lots of lights and it's great and it's loud and it's awesome and it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. But in the spiritual realm, in the divine, the divine realm, for me, the proof of you walking in faith and God fulfilling His promise is expectancy. Expectancy. That's not dependent on anything but the promise that God had already spoken to us. Alice is expecting his wife. That's why he's... <laughs> expectancy. An expectancy. Are you expectant for the things of God? Are you expecting a breakthrough in situations that you have faced a thousand times over and you've given up on? Let me tell you, God promised, what I've begun in you, I will bring to completion. Turn your eyes to the promise. Enter the divine reality. And what happens in your emotions? Expectation starts to rise. But if you say, yeah, but I've done it so many times and my expectations, they, 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 they failed. They, 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 I'm disappointed. 
the fundamental reality of my life. All I can say to you today again is turn your eyes again to God. You know He's good. You know He's faithful. You know He's the only one that can finish what He's begun in you. You know that when, he, when we have lost all faith, He remains faithful. Isn't that amazing? That's His nature. Isaiah 55 verse 10 and 11 says, For as the rain and the snow came down from heaven, I didn't even know it was going to rain today, but, and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bear and, and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. As the snow and the rain come down, waters the earth, the seed, and produces fruit as a result of this rain falling down, so will the word, my word be, which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. It will not. It cannot come down and return to me empty without accomplishing and changing something. Do you understand what I'm saying? The rain cannot fall and go straight back out and nothing changed on earth. A river has to start to flow. A, a dam has to think. A seed has to be watered. It has to hap- something has to happen. A motion has to come into being. As the rain comes down, and then obviously it's evaporated and it does eventually, but it does not go back up without accomplishing something. So it is with the Word of God. It does not return empty. Whether you feel it, see it, experience it or not, believe it. It does not. Without accomplishing what I desire, says God, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So when we confess out of our mouths the promises of God, it has the power to change our current reality. Wonderful. This is like stock stuff. It feels like everybody knows this already. Right? You guys are all living in this victory, right? It's amazing. In Genesis uh, 1, right in the beginning, God said. He spoke. And with the power of His Word, He created that same word should be in our mouths to create. I do believe it. I do believe it. That's why we could speak to illness. That's why we can command healing. That's why we can call in the unsaved who do not know Jesus. That's why when we leave our homes in the morning to go to work, we could say, Lord, because I'm a follower of you, I declare now that I'm going to meet someone and then let God paint the picture for you. To walk more and more and more progressively in this divine nature of who we are as followers of Christ. Amen? Jacob was on his way. I just want to read this quickly. Genesis 28, Jacob had a dream. So Jacob uh, was on his way and... um, He departed from Bathsheba. I'm just going to read it here from verse 10, 28. Genesis 28 from verse 10. From Bathsheba, and he went towards Iran, and he came to a certain place, and he spent a night there. Because the sun had set, and he took one of his stones in that place and put it under his head, and he lay down in that place. He had a dream. And behold, a ladder was sent, was set on the earth with its top reaching to the heavens, and behold, an angel of God was ascending and descending on it, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. 
I will give it to you and to your descendants. This was the furthest thing from the cultural heritage of a Jew. I can't, I can't even explain it. I wish I had a Jew here to explain that where he was lying, sleeping, was basically in enemy territory. He took a rock and he made a pillow and right there God made him a promise as he dreamt. A descendant. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and in you and in your descendant shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Talk about a promise. Do you know that this is the same promise that God gave Abraham when he made a covenant with him? The father of Jacob. I will bless you so that you would be a blessing to the nations. Do you know that whether you know that or not right now you're living is a fulfillment of a promise that God made? The same God that we serve today is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in this country. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. What a promise! I will not leave you until I've done what I promised you, which means give you this land as your inheritance. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. Guys, I want to tell you the Lord is in this place and everywhere you go every day, the Lord is in that place. Everywhere, as he does that. A similar thing happened to Jesus. I think it's Mark chapter 4 or 5. He was in a storm with his disciples. And before they left, he said, guys, it's time for us to go to the other side. And they got into the boat together, all of them. Sailed across. And in the middle of the storm, Jesus found a pillow, because the Bible said a cushion. He took a cushion. And the, bow, and the, the worst part in a boat to be in a storm is in the front, in the nose. That's exactly where Jesus was. He wasn't just there. He was there asleep in the storm. Why do you think that? If you think about that glorious picture. Has anyone been in a storm in the ocean before? It's horrible. Sandy, I've been in a couple of storms. One, I thought we were going to die. I prayed in tongues. I wasn't even serving the Lord. I prayed in tongues for three hours. It was a horrible, horrible, worst experience of my life, I think. I thought we were going to really die. Off the coast of Jeffreys Bay in the Eastern Cape. And Jesus was fast asleep in the bow, right there sleeping. And his disciples' words were, Don't you care about us? He stood up. You know what happened. He told the wind and the waves to calm down. Why do you think Jesus could sleep in the middle of that reality? Because that wasn't the greatest reality to him. Why do you think that wasn't the greatest reality to him? Because as the Son of God, he was fully man. Please hear me out. I'm almost done. As the Son of God, he was fully man. But he had another reality. And, and that reality was based on the promises of God, which he spoke before they left. He said, we must go to the other side. Simple as that. And so when the storm came, he could sleep. Do you think I'm stretching it? I'm telling you, that's how it works. And as a result, when they got to the other side, after the wind and the waves were, were, were quietened down, and the faith of the disciples were increased and surging, they got to the other side, and out of the tombs came a demoniac which basically means a man who had lived there for years and years and had been filled with so many demons that he called himself legion, which means many. And as he ran to Jesus, he said, Have you come here to torment me? And Jesus says, Be quiet. And he said, he said, Please 
send the demons into the pigs. And Jesus did that. And all those pigs ran off the end of the cliff into that same ocean that he just told to keep quiet. And when the man wanted to follow Jesus, Jesus says, no, you go back into the Decapolis and you tell them what happened to you. I would want to stretch it back like a domino and say, Jesus said just before they left, hey guys, we must go to the other side because there's a guy that I'm going to use that's going to open an entire region to the glory of Christ and the kingdom and that reality and we're going to leave him there. So what's a storm in the middle of all that? Nothing. What has God promised you? And what storm are you finding yourself in now? And let me tell you, the storms are inevitable. They will come. No doubt about it. And how are you responding in that storm? Are you fearful and without faith like the disciples, like I am often as well? Or when Jesus sleeping in the front of the bow, what are the first words to Jesus when you are going through the storms of your life? Lord, I'm so lonely. Lord, I'm so heartbroken. Lord, I don't want to change. I've been like this my whole life. This is all I know. They cannot be, I cannot see the new. I cannot see the divine nature. I'm so frustrated. I'm so hurt. I'm so broken. Do you not even care about me in the storm that you are sleeping? At least you should be up there holding a sail or something. Or paddling or, or just doing an, a motivational talk. At least saying, guys, we're going to make it. And Jesus' words to them, wow, you have little faith. Come on. What's a storm? I said we must go the other side. I'm really milking it, but it's true. And that guy went into that village. And you know that an entire village experienced the gospel because of that. But what did they have to go through? Not a storm. The reality that Jesus spoke. And this is not the greatest reality. My divine man is. And that brings me to a place where even if we do not see the promises fulfilled in our lifetime. Because some of the promises that God gave me, I will not see fulfilled. Unless I be like 120 years old for my grandchildren to follow the purposes of the kingdom wholeheartedly. When God speaks, something happens, definitely. It convicts us, it saves us, it encourages us, and it changes us. The promises of God is not something that we sweep under the carpet or put on a shelf. We engage with Him when they are not fulfilled as if they are the determining factors by which we live our lives. And lastly, in Hebrews 4, for the word of God is living and active. It's full of power. Making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of man and completeness of a person and of both joints and marrow to the deepest parts of our nature exposing and judging the very thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And friends, if there's any judgment in this world while we're living here that we want, that we welcome at all times, it is the judgment of the words that God spoke. Because He is good. We want His judgment. Because He's kind and gracious. He promised Abraham and Sarah that their descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky. And I can directly tell you now, confidently, historically, that you and I are in the Spirit, in Christ, which was revealed Himself to Abraham before the cross, long before the cross, descendants of that covenant promise, Abraham. We are children of Abraham because we have faith. 
the faith of Abraham. God made Abraham a promise when it was impossible to happen. God said, Abraham, you're going to have a child. And it didn't happen. And what did Abraham do? And this is the final thing I want to say. Sarah was 99, I think, or Abram was 99. And the Bible says their bodies were as good as dead, meaning they could no longer have children. So when the angel appeared to them, Sarah went around the corner of the tent. <laughs> These guys are idiots. Oh, well, I have a child. I have no womb. And they conspired together in negative agreement to take the matter, the God's promise, into their own hands. When God promises you something, let God be the one that fulfills that as you partner with God. Let him lead the dance and follow him as he leads the dance. Don't tell God how to fulfill the promise. You can watch that in your prayer life. Holy Spirit, just come like a fire. Really? What if the Holy Spirit wants to come like a flood? So partnering with what the Lord is already doing, embracing it, not letting go. Through the worst struggles, do not let go of that. Because what Abram and Sarah conspired to do together is say to Abram, Abram, you go, you go off with Hagar and you just have my servant. You just go, let's make God's promise happen in our lives. The biggest mistake ever. And Ishmael was born. And God loved Ishmael because he's not a dualistic God. He loves us. He loves every human being on this planet. But they made the promise of God come to fulfillment. But it wasn't the promise. wasn't the promise and it was only later when Isaac was born son of laughter that the promise was truly fulfilled Belinda said it that's the key they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength and as a result will rise up on the wings of eagles which speaks of the divine nature how much of our lives are we living in a transient place where we are making God's promises happen for ourselves. On how long are you willing to wait? Lord, I wait. How can I wait? Because I know who you are. I know what you like. And even if I don't fully know that, I trust that you are willing and able and faithful to a thousand generations. You do not change. You are Yahweh. That's who you are. You have not changed. You're still the same. So for those of you who are waiting for the promise, let me encourage you, wait wait because God never stops working and even at times when we think he doesn't he's not doing God where are you what is happening the rain does not fall on the ground and return to the heaven without accomplishing something God is busy working he's busy doing in me and in you in all of us this glorious promise of a God that cannot lie that love us that is for us that empowers us, that enables us, he has not changed. That's the gospel. Right there. That's the gospel. Amen.